We are in our series called His Story, which is really about our story. And last week, we were in the book of Romans, chapter 8. We finished with this verse right here, of where basically Paul says, what is there in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Those last two lines there. Now, here's the answer to that question. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But there is something that can separate us from the love of God that we have toward one another. In fact, that is why Paul is writing this letter to the Roman Christians. There is a problem at Rome in the church. Now, to understand the problem, you have to understand a little bit about church history. See, the church was started in Rome probably sometime after Pentecost, probably not very long after Pentecost. You turn over to Acts chapter 2, and there are Jews from Rome there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And so most church historians think some of those obeyed the gospel. Then they traveled back to Rome and established the church there in Rome probably pretty early. Well, the church was mostly Jewish for a long time. By the time you get to the 40s, you have the the, uh, conversion of Cornelius and his household. And for the first time, the gospel begins to go out to the Gentiles. And so for, you know, maybe five or six years... Rome begins to expand from basically a Jewish Christianity to a Jewish Gentile Christianity, and then tragedy strikes. Most of us are not aware of it, but the ancients were aware of it. Sometime around 49 A.D., so about 20 years after Jesus had been crucified and ascended back to heaven, riots begin to break out in the synagogues around Rome. You see, Rome had a lot of Jews. And because they had a large Jewish population, they had a lot of synagogues there in Rome. Well, they began to have what was called disturbances, what I would call riots, arguments, a lot of infighting in these synagogues. And the Roman historian Suetonius tells us what these arguments, these disturbances were about. He said they got to arguing about a man by the name of Crestus. Now, if you know anything about the name of Jesus, Jesus' title is Christos, or we say Christ. And so most scholars believe that Suetonius thought the title Christos was actually a man by the name of Crestus. And of course, just reading through the book of Acts, you see that all over the place. Every time the gospel went into the synagogue, what happened? The synagogue split. You had some of the Jews that became followers of Jesus, others did not, and they began to expel one another. I mean, they began to fight with one another, oftentimes creating riots. Just read the book of Acts, what they did to Paul, to Paul and Silas, to Paul and and Barnabas. I mean, they were constantly riots caused by the Jews because of the preaching of Jesus. Well, in Rome, that got so bad that the emperor finally said, enough is enough. And he simply told all the Jews, Christian and non-Christian, get out of Rome. 
You turn over to the book of Acts, you find Priscilla and Aquila, and you find out that they're at Ephesus. Why are they at Ephesus? Because they had been made or forced to leave Rome. Now, I want to ask you a question. If all the Jews leave Rome, what Christians are left? Gentiles. For the first time, there were pure Gentile churches where there had been Jewish Gentile churches. And by the way, in these Jewish Gentile churches, guess who were, lead, who, who, were, who were leading the churches? It was Jewish Christians. It was Jewish Christians that were elders. Jewish Christians that were deacons. Jewish Christians that were preachers and teachers. And all at once, they're gone. And these young Gentile Christians have now got to, you know, pick up the slack. And so what do they do? They start preaching. They start appointing Gentile elders. And for the first time, you've got a purely Gentile church until about 54 A.D., about five years later. Claudius dies. And when Claudius dies, Nero lifts the ban and allows the Jews to come back. Now imagine if you're at a Gentile church and your Jewish brethren show back up. I mean, you've had Brother Smith over here. He's been an elder now for three years. He's a good elder. But then the former elders come back in, and they're like, who's this? Well, we had to appoint new elders. Now we're the elders here. Do you see the conflict? And then even worse, can you imagine the church potlucks? We know this happened because Paul talks about it. He talks about the problem with eating and drinking. And, and you know the difference between Jews and Gentiles. Jews, when they get together for a potluck, it's lamb. It's beef. When the Gentiles get together for a potluck, it's barbecue. It's pork ribs. And now you've got all kinds of conflict going on in the church. And so Paul writes to the church at Rome because they're, they're knocking heads with one another. And Paul says, listen. There's enough division out in the world. We cannot have division in the kingdom of God. And so he writes this epistle to say to them, listen, God has saved all of us the same way. And so when he gets to Romans chapter 12, he says, let me now tell you how you apply this to your life. Notice the language here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, you need to offer your bodies as living sacrifices Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. You've got to quit conforming to this world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His perfect, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is that very first word up there, therefore. Whenever you come to a therefore, you need to stop and ask, what is it therefore? I mean, I've, I've heard that all of my life in preaching. You know, when it comes to Bible study, if it says therefore, stop and ask, what is it there for? And Paul tells us what it's there for. Notice, in view of God's mercies. One of the ways Paul addressed this whole issue of division was to say, can we talk about how you're saved? Whether you're Jew or Gentile, can we talk about how you're saved? Look back at chapter 3. For all have sinned, Jew Gentile, doesn't make any difference. We've all sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. And we all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Paul would say in Ephesians 2 verse 8, through faith. 
that grace through faith that God freely pours out upon us. And Paul's basic point is, is that we all stand on the same ground. You see, this last week we had an election. Now, election had to do with Democrats and Republicans. But what we need to understand is when that election is over, we're all Americans. We're not Democratic Americans or Republican Americans. We're Americans. And that's the exact argument that Paul's making here in Romans. Listen, we are all together brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice up there, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, we're part of the same family. And he says, and so you need to be willing to sacrifice. And that sacrifice is you. It's your body. It's a living sacrifice. We read that, and y'all, it's, it flies over our head. It flies our, over our head because we're not people who sacrifice every day. You see, if you'd lived in the ancient world, this right here would have been a regular part of your life, whether you're Jewish or Gentile. If you're Jews, you're in Jerusalem, you're going up to the temple, you're offering lambs, goats, uh, cattle, uh, doves, pigeons. You're constantly offering sacrifices. Why? Because you're a sinner. That's how you made atonement for your sins. Well, the Gentiles did the same thing. Now, they, they didn't worship the God of the Bible. They worshiped Zeus or Poseidon or one of the other Greek or Roman gods. But they would also go and make sacrifices. And because of that... The ancient world was a bloody uh, world. I think sometimes we miss out just how violent and bloody that world was. Passover in Jerusalem. It's estimated that 60,000 lambs would be sacrificed that one day. Can you imagine the smell of that much blood? being poured out in Jerusalem. They said the Kidron Valley would would flow red with blood because of that blood coming out of the temple and flowing into the Kidron Valley. Today, godly worship is no longer about dead, bloody offerings, but it's about living, holy sacrifices. It's about me and you. And it's about me and you and what we are in here. You see, one of the things that Paul knew so well is that God, when it came to sacrifices, he said, can I tell you what I'm really looking for? He said, I'm looking for something that's holy and pleasing to me. You know, I don't want you just to follow ritual. I want you to be serious about who you are. Here's David in Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I thought God commanded it. He did. But notice where... David goes with this. He says, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. You see, it's like singing. And, And George would be the first to say this. It's not how good you sing. It's how good your heart is when you sing. You see, there are people that that all of us, and I'm sure, George, you've experienced this. I I remember a brother in a church where I preached, bless his heart, he couldn't sing worth a dime. But boy, he loved to sing loud. And I mean, he'd sing and you'd hear his voice and he'd be off key. He'd be singing the wrong notes, but you couldn't help but appreciate him. Why? Because his heart was where it needed to be. 
Amos chapter 5. Boy, Amos says, listen to me. I hate, this is by the way God speaking. I hate, I despise your religious festivals, your assemblies, your burnt offerings, your grain offerings, your fellowship offering, your singing, your music. I mean, he goes through all the things they did in worship. And then look at verse 24 at the end. But lest justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. You see, when we come together to worship on Sunday morning, God's not nearly as concerned about what we do as to why we do it inside our hearts. You see, true worship begins here. And that's one of the things that Paul is striving at. You know... One of the things that always bothers me about so many of us as Christians is that we can sing praises to God on Sunday morning and then, as James says, go and turn around and curse, you know, someone we work with on Monday morning who's made in God's image. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, just scratched his head and he says, you know what, this should not be. Out of the same mouth we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. Really? Brothers and sisters, he says, this should never be. Again, it's what's in our hearts. And so he says, this is your true and proper worship. I love the way the complete Jewish Bible words this. Uh, This is a Jewish perspective on this translation. And notice, he says, this will please him. It is the logical temple worship for you. Paul is a temple Jew. He spent his life going up to the temple. Now he's writing to believers and saying, God has transformed his temple. It's no longer what's sitting on the hill in Jerusalem. It's what's sitting in the pew in God's churches. We're the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in us. And that's where God wants to see His worship come from. We're the true temple worship of God. And so He says, you've got to be careful. The problem, whether you're Jewish or Gentile in Paul's day, was being more like the world than being like Jesus. I like the way that uh, the voice translates it. It says, do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. The word that's used there for uh, a conform is literally a mold like you would maybe make jello in. And you pour it in there and you let it set and it takes the shape of, of that bowl that you've poured it in. I like the way Eugene Peterson put it in the message. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I'm guilty of this. And I'm confessing it this morning. I get so caught up in America that I forget it's Jesus that comes first. I get so caught up with the American dream. You know, the American dream is what Jesus calls foolishness. Y'all remember the rich farmer who had such a crop that he said, I'm going to tear down my barn and build bigger barns, and, and I'm going to say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and enjoy life. Isn't that the American dream? And God's words to the man is, you fool. Because you see, if we're not rich toward God, we're actually fools, no matter how much money we have. James calls this type of living spiritual adultery. Notice, you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. 
I mean, James, again, the half-brother of Jesus, boy, he just kind of lays it out. He says, whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. You see, again, it's not about which political party it's in. It's whether or not you're, you're devoted to Jesus or you're devoted to this world. That's where the divide, division is, and that's what Paul is pounding at to this letter. He says it's time to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love 2 Corinthians 10.5. This is from the Passion Translation. But boy, Paul, when he gets to this particular part of 2 Corinthians, he says, can I tell you what the Holy Spirit's trying to do? Look at what he says. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And then here's what God's trying to do. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Boy, when I read that and I think every thought, every thought, God's Spirit is wanting Les Chapman to think like Jesus Christ. And so the Spirit is constantly working to take thoughts that run through my mind and to reshape them so that they honor the Creator who made me in His image. And once again, I confess, I'm not there yet. A lot of thoughts. But sometimes I'm just not there yet. And that's why the Spirit continues to work in my life, in your life. That's why in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, when Paul's finishing this letter, he says, listen, brothers and sisters, with all that's going on, and boy, I think about all that's going on today in our world, I don't know about you, but sometimes June just looks at me and said, would you please turn that TV off? You know, because everything that's on there is just so negative. And here's what Paul said. He says, listen, whatever is true or noble or right or pure or lovely or admirable, that's what you filled your mind with. And how true that is. I got to tell you that if I'm going to try to encourage myself, I have to turn on and watch an Andy Griffith episode. I'm being very serious. You know, go back and see something that's wholesome for a change. You know. So he finally ends by saying, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you know, at the end of the day, that's all I want, and I hope it's what you want. How can we determine what God's will for our lives is? Because that's what I want to live. The Hebrew writer would say it this way. Anyone who lives on meat, uh, milk, being an, still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. He says, in this book right here is, first of all, milk. And he says, milk is good if you're one year old, if you're two years old. But you know, if you're 60 years old, maybe it's time to graduate up to some meat. And he says, that's what's going to teach you about righteousness. Solid food is for the mature who, by constant use have trained themselves so that they can tell the difference between good and evil, between God's will and what is not God's will. It's basically about allowing God's Word to become a part of who we are. When people say to me, how do I know what God's will is? If you knew what Jesus was all about, you wouldn't have any problem with that. I think there's a reason that we have four Gospels that tell the story of Jesus. Because when we drink into the story of Jesus we begin to understand exactly how Jesus would act in the moment. And so Philippians 2, 
a text that John Micah has been pushing our leadership now for, I guess, almost two and a half years. He's just been pounding us over and over with Philippians chapter 2 and this beautiful hymn about Jesus that begins with these simple words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what we're shooting for, brothers and sisters. And that's what will make the church of God the people that God wants us to be. Because no matter what's going on out in the world, what's truly important is what's going on here in the temple of the living God. Again, thank you for being here today. We, we t- in the past, would have an invitation song. Let me tell you that the invitation is still available. Uh, we may not invite you to come down, but if, if you have a need of any kind, if you need to have the prayers of the church, if you need to begin this journey through faith in Jesus Christ and baptism, I'm down front. Uh, Brother Mike Ryan's up here. Uh, I see Brother Rod up here. We've got elders here who'd be honored to meet with you and to pray with you. Just come down and let us know. We'll be happy to do that. If you would, let's have everyone please stand. Let's go to God in prayer. And then George is going to come lead us in one more song. Father, thank you. Thank you for being God. Thank you, Father, for continuing to work with us. Thank you for your mercies that Paul talked about. Help us, Father, to get serious about conforming our lives, not into the image of the world, but to the image of your Son. Father, to be in living sacrifices that give you all the praise and the glory as we seek, Father, to live according to your will and not our own. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen.